Hi, and welcome to Zed Games. Recorded live at 4 Triple Z Studios in Brisbane and broadcast nationally over the community radio network, Zed Games brings you the latest gaming news, reviews, and interviews from across Australia and around the world. Welcome, listeners, to another exciting episode of Zed Games, your favourite and my favourite gaming radio program, coming to you live from the 4 Triple Z studios in Brisbane and heard around the nation on the community radio network. I am Lee, and joining us in the studio for this episode, Jody McGregor. Hello. Ms. Candy Payne. Hi, guys. And manning the machines is Razor. Hey, hey. There he is. Razor, what are we talking about today? Lee, you, Candy, and I attended PAX over the weekend, which was held in Melbourne. Yes. And we had a grand old time. It's a gaming convention slash festival bringing together gaming community from all over Australia for lots of game-related antics. Mm. They were definitely antics, yes. So we'll be telling you guys about some of the funny stories that happened, some of our highlights of the exhibition, and uh, just telling you all about PAX and how much uh, of a jolly old time we had. Good. Yep. What else? Now... Lee, you and Jody have been playing Vermintide. The full title is actually Warhammer End Times Vermintide, but shall be henceforth known as Vermintide. <laughs> we'll I probably call it two, that at least. There's like three point. colons and a dash in there. No, one colon and a dash. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> and that's uh, a fantasy first person game, some kind of campaign. Hacking elves? It's, I don't know. It's a, it's a <laughs> multiplayer, online, co-op, first-person shooter. There's some buzzwords for you. It's not a first-person shooter. It's a first-person stabber. And shooter. And me, yeah. Mostly you, you chop rat men. <laughs> I, I like to play the wizard, so I shoot him. So okay. yeah. <laughs> but before all that, let's get this week started with the Week in Gaming News headlines, Miss Candy Payne. Sure. Nintendo has lifted the curtain on their very first game designed specifically for smartphones. Miitomo will allow your Mi avatar to interact with your friends, Mi avatars, chatting about whatever personal information you choose to share. At first glance, it appears to be a cross between popular life simulator Tomodachi Life and a standard instant messaging client though it appears that your me will do all of the talking for you. The game has been categorised as free to start, indicating that there will be purchasable digital items and services. Miitomo is scheduled for release before March 2017. Wait, 2017? Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. Mm-hmm. They pushed it back. I think <laughs> they really did. In March, se- <laughs> March we, 2017, we we'll be like... Remember when smartphones used to be a thing, son? Yeah. <laughs> they were big business back in the day. Yeah, before the Mayan calendar came to a close and the ghosts poured out of all of the, the pyramids. Back when we had technology, now we're mostly haunted by gods. <laughs> well, now, I think- pick up your obsidian axe and help me hack my way. <laughs> all right. So anyway. Yeah. yeah. I think this sounds perfect for me because I'm lazy. Yeah. And all you do in this is tell your me what you like and what you wanted to talk about. And then instead of having to update your social media constantly, you just let it do it for you. It just wanders off into the world and tells and other talks. people about the crap you're into. You don't have to bother with it ever again. You know what? That would be so good at parties. Mm when you just don't want to talk to anybody. I don't like, think you can just summon this thing. Although 2017, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Maybe you will be able okay, to. Okay, but let's, let's, <laughs> let's say in 2017, right? Yeah. A hologram of me goes to a party. I just program it with all the crap that I'm into. It does the talking for me. I'm at home playing video games, sleeping. 
yeah. doing way better stuff than going to a party. Listeners, you also need to know that any time that you make a me of Razor, especially using the camera, it is eerily capable of like representing his head. Like it is spot on. Yeah. Okay. It, I, me's are really bad at making white people. But mm. Ray's fine. Yeah. Okay. It's just us. We just look like right. goobers. But you look like you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair, well, really. That's good. The release date of Torment, Tides of New Manera, has been pushed back until 2016. The game, which was successfully crowdfunded through Kickstarter, has been billed as the spiritual successor to the cult RPG Planescape Torment and shares several key creative staff. Ooh. Okay. Once again, like, the end of the Mayan calendar is going to come around before this game is released. Wait, when was the end of the Mayan calendar? Was that 2012? Yeah. Okay. But like they so had jo- a lot your joke's a little old. They though. had a lot of calendars. <laughs> <laughs> I could get into the specifics of this if you'd okay, like. No, thank no. you. Or you can just roll with the game. No. Anyway, 2016 just... <laughs> is, is too far away. Everything's um, too far away. Yeah. But on the other hand, there's a lot of games between now and then, and maybe one day I'll have time for a like 100-hour yeah. RPG. Well, you've got Fallout, you've got... Battlefront, you got Dark Souls 3 coming before then. Mm. You'll be fine, man. So many games. Call of Duty and World of Warcraft company Activision Blizzard will acquire King, makers of Candy Crush Saga, in a deal worth $5.9 billion. King's catalogue of mobile titles include two of the top five grossing games, Candy Crush Saga and Candy Crush Soda Saga. The deal is expected to be completed early next year and will solidify Activision Blizzard's position as the largest and most profitable standalone gaming company in the world. Just as a point of reference, George Lucas sold everything Star Wars related for $4 billion. Yes. So this is like 33% more than that. This is massive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I said billion, billion. not million, too. Yeah, so that's a big chunk of change right decent. there. Well, I mean, Candy Crush made, what, like $500 million in profit last, like, was it last financial year? Oh, I don't know. They're just addictive. They are just such addictive games. Yeah, they put the dick in addictive. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, you want to have a look at the franchises that Activision owns now, and it's horrifying. It's like Guitar Hero, Candy Crush, Warcraft. Um, it's a bit of a mix. Yeah, Call of Duty. Uh, what else? Destiny. And there's like three or four others. Skylanders. All of the big ones except, like, mm. The Sims and Assassin's Creed. Like, these are the, the massive annual, like, billion-dollar games. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably eyeing off Assassin's Creed right now. <laughs> I, I want to make a joke about this being just, like, a huge accidental in-app purchase. <laughs> Somebody just didn't look at the price when they pressed the button. Yeah. But also <laughs> I want to explain the serious answer, which is that this is probably just a write-down and that they overpaid for it on purpose so that they can devalue it in two years' time and save a ton of money on tax. Oh. Hmm. But the in-app purchase thing was real good, hey? <laughs> yeah. It was a really good one, yeah. yeah, yeah thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should have gone with that. I did see someone make that joke. It was like... I think it was the obvious one. They, j- they just rolled with it, though, which was like... You know, I can't wait until Activision's like parents wake up tomorrow morning and see how much money they spent on a free-to-play game. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That was the That's one that was good. there. You yeah. should have just stolen that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. 
Warner is offering a full refund to anyone who purchased the PC version of Batman Arkham Knight, regardless of how much of the game they have played. The game was re-released last week, four months after the initially launching to massive backlash from consumers over technical issues plaguing the game. However, it appears that four months extra development time was not enough, with users reporting that all of the issues rendering the game unplayable for many are still present. The offer for a refund will be valid until the end of 2015. Whoops. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I did go and have a look at it again, um, and it definitely plays better now, and there's a lot of downloadable content that apparently I own, but I'm not sure if I can go back there. Okay, so will you be seeking a refund then? No. Why not? Because I bought it from a CD key reseller, uh, because yes. otherwise I would have had to have paid like $120 for a game on Steam, because mm. our economy is awful and instead paid 40 but I can't get a refund. But that's fine. You know, swings and roundabouts. Yeah. And, like, now I've got the Burt Ward Robin costume for Robin whenever he's in the game, which... That's pretty rad. ...is right up there. Last weekend, we went down to Melbourne where we attended PAX Australia 2015. Uh, Lee, what is PAX? Uh, PAX is a gaming convention that was started by the uh, creators of the webcomic Penny Arcade. They created it 11 years ago, which is absurd now. Uh, And then also that means that their comic is like 17 years old now, which means we're all very old. Mm. But uh, PAX was designed to be a counterpoint to E3, uh, which is a more of a marketing and journalism exercise. PAX was all about not even the consumer, but the enthusiast, gaming enthusiasts, who should be able to come to a safe, fun place to share their love of gaming and to play games more Hmm. than anything else. And so that's why uh, PAX, as it's been in Australia for the last three years, is split right up the middle, one half of it being a demo hall uh, for new products that are coming out or on that have just been released, the other half being a massive, massive, massive play area dedicated to uh, tabletop games and board games and RPGs and consoles and network PCs uh, and games from every era. Um, yeah. So the, uh, the, the one half, the front half with the um, people exhibiting tends to also be, in, in Australia in particularly, dominated by the Australian indie scene, which is just the best thing. And in this year, it was freaking massive. Yeah. And every game there was awesome and exciting. There's still also that big chunk that's taken up by, you know, your keyboard and headphone sellers in the middle, but uh, most people don't really pay attention to that noise. Um, and noise it is. But, uh, yeah, um, PAX is really designed for people who just want to go and see cool things to meet with the makers of games and then meet with other people who enjoy games and just play and have fun. Yeah. You know that if you're that guy that organizes like a board game or an RPG with three of your friends and it takes like three weeks to organize uh, and then you have one game that lasts three hours and everyone's like, okay, I'm going home. Thanks for that. Bye. But you want to keep playing then if you go to PAX, you surround yourself with people like you that don't want to stop playing. So around the, <laughs> around the clock, there's always people wanting to play your favorite obscure board game, your favorite card game that no one's ever heard about. Mm. You'll find 
you know, 100 people there who want to play it with you. So, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And the bringing of the community together, that's the big winning point of that PAX has over mm. consumer focused uh, stuff like E3 or EB Expo. Yeah, like they're getting like 50, 60,000 people through over the long weekend yeah. and everyone there is just super excited about games. Uh, it's it's a really wonderful place to go. It's, it's like Disneyland except with less price gouging and more <laughs> cleavage, I guess. Um, which, you know, swings and roundabouts. Um, Ray, yes. <laughs> highlights from PAX. Highlights, one of them was seeing just how many people were digging the indie games. Mm. And indeed, that was uh, some of the most uh, interesting things that was going on there. Because all of the big AAA titles like, I mean, Assassin's Creed had a booth there. Fallout's coming out. Uh, those games are, are great, but we already have so much information about those. Or Fallout's coming out in like six days. So it's not terribly exciting. You don't want to spend three hours lining up to see a... a a two-minute video of Fallout. But line up, we did. <laughs> we did it anyway. But the indie section is, is truly exciting because there's just crazy off-the-hook ideas come to life, totally unique, uninhibited by any sort of commercial or financial restraints. These are just totally uh, just people who are just doing their own crazy ideas. And, I mean, people are digging it. And the indie section this year was just pumping. Heaps mm. of people coming through. Heaps of people taking the time to play the games. And we had a really good opportunity to speak with a lot of the indie developers and we'll play some of those interviews next week on the program. Yeah. Hmm. Tell me about one of the games you played. One of the games I played was Inflatality. Inflatality. I was just mm -hmm. going to say That was the first it. one. It's, uh, you know those inflatable uh, tube men at secondhand car Sky dealerships? Dances. Sky Dancers. I believe is the, the registered trademark for I that. I am familiar with them, yeah. Uh, but it's a battle game pitting two sky dancers against each other. Um, now, they don't really respond that well, like not like Kano from Mortal Kombat does anyway. Uh, you can kind of just generally pick the, the gist of where he's going, you know? Uh, and you swing his arm and hopefully it hits, and it's just like... It's, it's like a beginner's game into fighting, you know? If you just want to watch it in real nice, gentle slow motion and just kind of watch these crazy balloon things entwine their giant arms around one another with nice, like, thwacking noises, then this game is so for you. It is hilarious. I just could not stop laughing, and then I just got really competitive yeah. and wanted to kick Ray's ass. <laughs> so how does it control? You kind of swing the joystick around to smack arms. Yeah, right. the end. <laughs> yeah, you've got basically two two inputs: your your movement, which is controlled by the left stick, and your arms, which are controlled by the right stick. You can switch between your arms, but you can only control one at a time. And it's not like when you hit left, it uh, your dude goes to the left, mm. sort of mm -mm. relative to the, your input. It kind of it's more like over. it floats <laughs> over, and it's really hard to do. So. <laughs> Uh, you don't really have total control, and that's what makes it so fun. Yeah, is that skill is only about twenty percent of the equation, right? Which will you know frustrate people who like real fighting games, but uh, for all of us who just want to have me laugh. fun, uh, it was really really good. Is it like Gang Beasts in that the characters feel a bit drunk? Yes, yes. definitely. That's appealing. That's yeah. a good way of describing it. My character felt drunk. It just wasn't listening to the direction I was telling him to go in and mm -hmm. just slowly beating his way over. <laughs> it was just hilarious. 
Another fun one that Lee and I played was Death Squared, a co-op game uh, where you control two cubes. There's a bunch of puzzles, and you have to sort of cooperate to to beat these puzzles. There's lasers and stuff. Yeah, the movement of one person correlates to the uh, generally some kind of death trap that is aimed directly at the other person. And so mm. in order to get through the puzzles, which once you've figured out how to solve them, take like seconds you have to do a lot of coordination, a lot of communication. It was really fun. Uh, Ray and I have some practice trying to line up laser beams that are trying to destroy us with Portal 2, but it took a little while for us to get back in the swing of it. And then I, I turned up there the next day uh, with another friend to see if we can play it again, but uh, we couldn't because the couple in front of us were not communicating or paying attention at all, and they just kept getting annihilated by lasers on one puzzle for like 20 minutes straight. Wow. And then the show shut down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they they were bad to the very end. Get get better at talking about lasers, guys. Another one that seemed to be quite popular was Evergreen. Oh. Candy, you played that one? Oh, I didn't want to get up. I could have I could have sat there for hours. Evergreen was this fascinating fascinating little zen I want to say garden, but it's a Zen world where you start with a little crystal seed and you can drag the seed down below the ground to extend the roots of a tree and literally spread these roots out as far as you can go in all different directions uh, and then drag the seed up and start growing branches and leaves and adding flowers and seeds and, you know, that kind of thing. And the idea is that it's almost, it's like starting in 80 million years ago, you know, like prehistoric era um, and you're creating this tree with seedlings and things that will eventually just drop into the ocean you know you got to create that you make it drop into the ocean and you're trying to entice all of the sea creatures up onto land so it's a bit of evolution so get them up onto land to the, for the first time to start you know growing and changing evolving walking that kind of thing so I only just touched on the very beginning of this and that was the growing of the tree and I just could have sat there for hours as somebody that loves gardening this was like combining the best of all amazing worlds for me (laughs) I was in front of a computer screen growing a tree successfully I was feeding fish underwater like it was incredible there are little tasks and things along the way that you know you need to work out how to grow the roots uh, and how to move them around to block off steam that's coming out of a volcano and things like that. So there's little bits and pieces to do along the way as well. Mm. But that's the idea of it is just evolution. Yeah, it's really cool. Beautiful. Because most games like that tend to be very mechanically intensive yeah. mm. or a bit stressful like that. But mm. this is more of a, a zen, very slow-paced game where you mm. control uh, a plant over several million years. It, so yeah. it's, it's a zen. It forces you to yeah. actually just relax and it's wait really for it. It gets there slowly, you know, but you can watch it happening. So the idea is that you just sit back and watch as things are growing slowly and oh, super relaxing. I'll be getting that one just to chill out after work every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lee, you and I actually had time to play a role-playing game in the role-playing section. Yeah, we did. We did. This is the first time that we've actually managed to give ourselves time to enjoy packs rather than hurry about getting interviews and having playthroughs. And uh, it's fun. It's great. Uh, We played a little indie tabletop RPG uh, called One Last Job with a handful of strangers and and colleagues from many years ago. And also Cam Davis, who's been on the show a handful of times, was just there for some reason. Uh, And and it was fun. It It was really great and a real indicator of what other people just get to experience when they go to PAX Mm -hmm. if they don't have a hectic interview schedule. You just turn up and 
play cool games run by cool people uh, that you would otherwise never get a chance to experience. Um, tabletop section seems like it's a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, even if you are, because there were a handful of people who'd never played a, a tabletop RPG, a pen and paper game before at our table, and they were coached through it by the very able game master, Anthony Stiller. Um, and so, yeah, like if you're interested in that, that side of gaming and you've never been given the opportunity to actually experience it, then PAX is a perfect opportunity because there are people who are really enthusiastic and very, very talented who are perfectly happy to lead you through your first pen and paper RPG by hand, if need be. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, Lee, you and Candy mm. got a chance to play some VR, mm. virtual reality action. Yeah. Yeah. Tell we, me about it. We went to space. Totally went to space. We, we got to use Valve's Vive VR system, so that uh, we didn't get to use the uh, the spatial tracking that that thing does, uh, but we did get to use their grippy uh, hand controllers to grab stuff. Mm. But uh, Candy, talk talk Ray through the experience because he was too hungover that morning to uh, want to actually go into space. Well, given that the last time, Razor, you tried virtual reality and it's like very early days and you still got sick from that, I can only imagine how this would have made you feel given your hungover state. We got to climb a space station on the outside and, you know, there was a task we had to manoeuvre the whole way around. It was like monkey bars in space. Uh, moved our way around where we're asked to pull a tube out of the side of the space station there or something. Was, there was an ammonium leak we had to check. Is that what it was? That I wasn't was quite listening. No. <laughs> we should mention that the name of the game we played was Ascent. Ascent. Yes. Mm. Space. Space, yes. Ascent Space. Ascent the space game, I think. Mm-hmm. Close. So yep. it's anyway. like gravity? Because I know I saw Gravity and thought that would be a cool video game, and I guess a lot of people it's saw Gravity and yeah. said so that would make a great a great yeah. game. Yeah, that is exactly what it is. And then this came out. Um, no, it's it was incredible. It, there was so much detail, and I knew that I was sitting on a stool. And yet the minute I let go, I was blown away from the station. And the minute I let go, I felt like I was just tumbling around. Well, I was just tumbling around in space. And there was a second where my brain didn't catch up fast enough to remember that I was physically seated on a stool and not tumbling through space. And it's not it's not so much motion sickness, but it's just your brain's just a little bit slow to register. And I felt like I was going to fall off the chair. And so you are your arms go flailing naturally to want to stop yourself. But mm-hmm. it was incredible. I just loved every second. I actually just wanted to sit there longer and keep looking over my shoulder and looking around and looking it down at whatever part of earth I was floating above it was just if I never get there thanks to Richard Branson's really expensive space <laughs> flights then <laughs> this was it uh, for me I'm sure you could afford half a million dollars on a 40 uh, minute trip probably wouldn't mm. no I'd just do yeah. this again instead <laughs> <laughs> should point out that the experience that we we played was actually called Earthlight Ascent was a different space game one of the four space games that we uh, played or covered mm. while we were there. Is that games regrets the era? Yes. Earthlight. Sorry, that's right. We Earthlight. were there was a lot, there was of, a lot space of space games this year. Yeah. Mm. Earthlight was phenomenal. That is the VR one where I was floating around space. It was incredible. Now, yeah. Lee, you are somewhat of a virtual reality connoisseur at this point, uh, having sampled both the Oculus Rift and the Vive. Uh, and the Samsung Gear yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, can you uh, just quickly tell us about any differences or anything like that that you noticed with the Vive? Um, the Vive definitely has a much, much uh, clearer screen. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
Uh, Oculus, as much as I love it, um, I've not, I mean, uh, I, no one here has experienced what the retail version of that's going to be like, but the um, the developer's kits that are floating around are still a little bit fuzzy and pixelated, whereas the Vive, less so, um, where you, you don't really have to deal with that second or two of distraction of getting used to it. Um, head tracking is great. The, um, the, the controller, which is kind of like... It's like a fork, mm. but with a trigger on it mm. is interesting. I don't know if it, like, can it, it's, it's got one button, right? Are there other buttons? I don't remember. You squeeze no. it to there's grip stuff, right? Yeah, you pull the trigger pull the and that's that. at the front. Yeah. And then there's a little kind of mouse trackpad kind oh, of thing where your thumb goes. So right. there's uh, that extra input. Well, that would be cool. Yeah, we didn't get to do anything with that. We no, I just, didn't really look at it because I had goggles on. That, mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. <laughs> uh, it felt very smooth, and from our interview... The Vive is a joy to work with. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, I still have no idea which horse is going to win this race. Yep. Uh, we also got a chance to use some motion tracking technology with mm-hmm. the Oculus VR headset. Yeah. Uh, this, this one was uh, a pair of gloves with motion balls on them. Uh, the demo wasn't very interactive, but it was, again, it was a space one mm-hmm. where you're in a doomed space shuttle or some such. But uh, it tracked your hand movement quite accurately, yeah. uh, more accurately than you've seen. So you put the goggles on, you get a 3D representation of the space station. You hold your hands up, and lo and behold, you can actually have your little gloved spacesuit hands that are floating out in front of you, and they kind of move one to one, you know, with the way that you're actually moving your hands. And that was quite a revelation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hands are great and should be in all VR games. Mm. Um, it definitely. I don't know whether it's just that the technology's better and people have worked out that you don't want to have like sudden movements or anything. But none of the potential disorientation or nausea that like I I've never really experienced it but I could tell that people would from mm. certain movements in, in the games I'd played in the past. I didn't really get any of that uh, and whether it was just that I had a better sense of my body mm. because I had some limbs or whether it was just that they've worked out how to do all that stuff I, I couldn't tell you but definitely the uh, the VR space experiences that I had <laughs> uh, this time were were fantastic and definitely improved by the fact that I could wiggle my arms around in them. Yeah. Now, we did line up for a couple of uh, AAA game sessions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one of which was uh, Street Fighter V that you're particularly looking forward to playing when it comes out next year, Lee. Yes, yes. Street Fighter V uh, is good. It's Street Fighter. Um, it's only coming out on the PlayStation for, I guess, financial reasons. Um, and the PC. And the PC, that's mm, true. Yep. For you know financial <laughs> reasons, um, it was really fun. Uh, I played as Ryu, so I didn't actually get a chance to try out any of the new cool guys, and there are definitely some new cool guys in there. Um, but he's still good, and it still looks great. Uh, and I got to win a match mm. uh, right after our friend Cam Davis was uh, in front of us losing a match. Uh, I'm not going to say why that happened. Maybe he was playing against a genius. Um, but I did get to show him what it looks like when Ryu wins a game. So, Cam, uh, you can thank me later. <laughs> he will be overjoyed that you shared that with our audience, Lee. Yes. Mm. Uh, also, you got a chance to play Just Cause 3. Yeah, yeah. Well, so did you. Oh, yeah, I did. Mm. What you did, you what played did... it a lot better than I did, though. <laughs> I was like... 
running into brick walls and I didn't have much fun. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Is that your 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 preview impressions just cause three really yeah. didn't have much fun? No, it's just because of my own the state of mind I was in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um so Just Cause is the game where you are the guy with the parachute and the grappling hook who is destroying a a like small city for revolutionary reasons. And uh it's even more deranged and colourful than ever. It played much like the previous ones, except they've worked out where the fun is, which is in being able to like grapple two guys together and then attach like, rocket mines to them so they fly off into space. And then ordering a, a warship be delivered uh, to a bridge that you need to destroy. You can just do that. Hmm. Your, your CIA <laughs> like helpers will just drop a warship down on a bridge for you. Uh, <laughs> to assist with the revolution, it's it's looks like it's you know going to be as um, weird and nuts and and mobile as the previous ones yet more so. Mm, I checked out the new Tomb Raider. Ooh, yep. how was that? Oh, smooth. <laughs> I thought I was impressed with the last one that was out, but this has got like whole new hair movement going on. <laughs> and when you go swimming, you stay wet. You don't yeah. just get out, walk four steps, and then magically are dry again. That always used to piss me off. This, she walks around sopping wet the poor thing. Like, Aww. it just is so much more realistic. It was... I was super <laughs> impressed. Did you get to play or were you just watching? No, I watched for like 20 minutes. Ah. I was just, the lineup was epic. So yeah. I just stood around the corner and sneaky snuck my head in. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I was supposed to, but I was still watching. And it was just, I would have given anything to have had the time to actually get my hands on a controller. But wow, it was smooth. I mean, I watched the same scene over and over and over. But <laughs> like, I've just, it was incredible the way she kind of grapples against the rocks and like swings and just like when she fumbles, you know, like finger, the way her fingers individually move, she's trying to grab onto rock. It was, yeah, I was really impressed. That was my big game um, impressive moment. <laughs> that and then Cuphead. I found that over oh, in the Microsoft section. Oh man, I can't section. wait for that. Ah, it's so cute. I can't wait. Yeah. I'll get I'll get a copy of that too. I think. Yeah. That's that little adorable, like nineteen twenties. Like silent cartoon. Oh, silent yeah. cartoon style. Yeah. yeah, that one. Mm. Yeah, oddly Beatable. violent looking, but then <laughs> so adorable. Yeah. Well, they were in the thirties. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. 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 You're a little cup. Mm. That's the name, Cuphead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've spoken a lot about the uh, the content that we've seen, but some of my most favourite moments over PAX was the more community based things like just the impromptu meetings with uh other fans of games geeking out with mm. other other fans uh the little incidental meetings that you have seeing someone you know or just meeting new people or uh just geeking out when you see someone who's dressed in this exquisite cosplay oh, from a game that only you played that's my favorite uh, bit. that that was incredible so yeah who i did, mean who did you see from a game that only you played uh let's see probably it was from Persona 3. Okay, a lot of people played it, but not, not many, not <laughs> many that Razor I know in my personal life. Game. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was like Matsuru from Persona 3. So, nice. yeah, mm. that was cool. There's a lot of dwellers there this year. A lot of Fallout people, like, yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that was to do with the timing, of course, with Blue Fallout suits, coming soon. Hair everywhere. Yep. And they were giving out Fallout masks at the door, I believe. Like, you know, that, that blonde haired. The Fallout Vault, Vault Boy. The, yeah, the, the Vault, Vault Boy. boy. And that was kind of creepy because there was a lot of that walking around. It's it was creepy because people were wearing them on the backs of their heads. 
Yeah, that was more creepy yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two faces. <laughs> uh, but we have a lot more to show you from PAX next week when we return. Uh, we'll be playing a bunch of interviews with the uh, various indie game developers and musicians that we spoke to, and we might share some more of our uh, impressions then as well. Cool. But, yeah, if you can make it next year and you're a lover of games, PAX is definitely worth the trip to Melbourne. Yeah. Next year I'd like to see the indie section just a little bigger, I think. Mm -hmm. They've got space to spread out and give the indies more booth room. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was hugely popular. Yeah, just yeah. Chuck people out, were cramming in. Chuck out one of the headphone sellers, you know, and then yep. extend the. <laughs> totally throw out Dre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Agree. Forget about Dre. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking about uh, Jody. You've been playing Vermintide. Yeah, Lee and I, I have have, have both been playing Vermintide um, since the beta. So this is uh, a four-player online co-op game. Right. Um, that is a little bit, a, a lot like a lot Left like. for Dead, only instead of shooting up zombies, yeah. uh, this is a fantasy game in which four heroes uh, fight hordes of rat people Ooh. called the Skaven instead mm. of zombies. Uh, and instead of having special infected zombies who explode or grab you with their super freaky long tongues or jump onto you from rooftops, you have special Skaven who throw things that explode or grab you with their really long hooks or jump at you from rooftops. <laughs> it's uh, it's very similar, very obvious in its inspirations, but it feels more like a remix to yeah. me than a reskinning, if that yeah. makes a difference. Like, it's definitely building on what Valve did with the Left 4 Dead series, yeah. but it's just different enough in the way that it chops and changes those elements to make it feel fresh again. Yeah, it definitely has its own flavor. Uh, and you know what? All of those ideas Valve left on the table back when they were making games before they were just whatever they're doing now. Um, and it's nice that anyone picked them up. Uh, and, and you know, the, the world really does need more Left for Dead-like games because they were good games. Well, yeah, if you're going to make co-op shooters i would rather see them like this than um like evolve or like yeah. team-based stuff like titanfall i like to shoot uh ai controlled enemies who are dumb and come at me in waves mm. uh, alongside people who i'm supposed to be friends with rather than having to just constantly be playing online games where i have to fight other people who are jerks yeah yeah and this time the computer is the jerk and that immediately makes it more interesting to me as a thing to do with actual humans yes I think that the things that it does to make it its own, as well as just the flavor of it, um, because the Warhammer fantasy world is a really fun and interesting one to to be in, in, in that kind of perspective. We've certainly played a lot of games that are set in the Warhammer 40K, the space environment, but fantasy for some reason doesn't get as much attention. And this is like the nicest looking Warhammer licensed game and it's really, really cool that they spent that technology on rendering the awfulness of the Skaven, who are absolutely my favorite Warhammer fantasy race. Yeah, um, they're one of the most original ones in a you know, Tolkien-esque setting. Like yeah. You can be an elf or a dwarf or a wizard, but you're actually fighting something that is unique to their Can I please twist. have a physical description? A Skaven are basically like, they're what, would they be like three or four feet tall? Some of them are much taller, but they are... People-sized rats 
that are quite patchy and furry and look mm. a bit diseased Ooh. and have you know armor and rags stuck to them and mm. normally have weapons that are just like a lump of sharpened metal on a stick yeah although they're also because they're they're awful like genius engineers and alchemists and so they employ uh this uh was it? it's a, a meteoric stone called warp stone mm. in all mm-hmm. of their weaponry so they've got gatling guns and these toxic glowing knives and uh, awful mutant giant things and, and they, they can throw balls of gas that shatter and explode and will poison you yeah um, they're, they're like the the opposite of the rats of nim they're yes they're <laughs> the the worst they're just yes. these like scurrowing evil awful things mm. i feel yeah. like this would actually be more revolting to look at than a zombie in a way yeah because they're slightly more realistic. I mean, I know rats are disgusting and do actually carry infection, mm. and so gross. We're talking about wild rats, not domesticated rats, which are <laughs> awesome. Well, of course, some people keep pets. You know, okay. Mm. Yes, no, the wild ones, the gross, filthy ones that, mm. you know, yeah. come so out yeah. of sewers and so stuff. Yeah. The Hun- Skaven are great to fight. Hundreds of those pouring out of holes in the walls and coming down ladders and... Oh, like, yuck. So yeah. many new friends. You yeah. can see them, like, silhouetted against <laughs> the, the glowing moons uh, as they, like, crawl down the peaked roof of a Tudor house at you, which is rad. See, like, yeah. is the gross. environment set them off in a really nice way. Yeah, so you're in these, like, gothic Germanic towns. Or, like, cobbled streets. And yeah, and you generally have a mission to go to a place and do a thing to assist with the evacuation or with uh, trying to to fight back against the the invading horde um and so the environments tend to tell a story your characters tend to be communicating to one another and they they each have a fun personality and they they bicker and and flirt and and argue as you go along mm-hmm. um and uh, and then you spend the rest of your time chopping the heads off rat men. <laughs> yeah, the chopping is great. I think the main thing that makes it feel different from Left 4 Dead is that instead of being mostly about shooting with occasionally, you know, giving you a guitar or an axe to whack zombies with, this is mostly about using hammers and axes and swords and occasionally you have a bow or a crossbow or whatever. So the hand-to-hand in this feels as good as any hand-to-hand in a first-person game I've ever played. Yeah. The thwacking is very satisfying. Yeah. Thwacking. yeah, I like that sound. It's it's nice. I think we were playing in the beta, and it felt a little bit loose until I played as the dwarf with his axe, which, yeah, as soon as the axe embeds in a, a rat man. Were they bigger fantastic. than you if you were playing a dwarf? They're pretty tall. Yeah, yeah. You are about the same size mm-hmm. as them. So that's, <laughs> that's a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the classes that you play as, there's the, the fire mage, um, there's the elf ranger type. Yeah, she's all about bows. Uh, there's the witch hunter who mm-hmm. has a sword and pistols. It's got a sort of a renaissance thing, so you have actual pistols. And He has a pilgrim's hat, which is also very important with a yeah, buckle, big buckle on, on it. Yeah. It's a nice hat. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a soldier <laughs> who has uh, a slow-loading musket and a huge hammer that he swings around, and that's a I really enjoyed. Yeah smacking in the heads of Skaven with that giant two-handed hammer. And the dwarf, who is the dwarf. Yeah, well, he's got the shield, which is important because you have a horde coming towards you and you can push a bunch of them back and create space, which is actually a lot of fun. You feel like you're just, like, planting your feet and standing there and saying, come on, and then they leap on you and you just thwack and they go flying and they bounce off things. They ragdoll quite satisfyingly when you push them. Yeah. 
Have you bothered using the guns? Like if it's a musket and a pistol or something, they're very slow loading. You have a lot weapons. of them. You've got a lot of mm. a lot of pistols on you. Uh, as yeah, the, the soldier's as musket's very slow, but as the witch hunter, you have pistols like a brace of them, I guess. And yeah. You just like pull one out with one hand, shoot it, then another with the other hand, and then another, and you just constantly like bang, bang, bang. Yeah, oh, and smooth. it's it's really great. Um, it it feels so good to like unload these things into a horde, but because. Uh, you know, the game is focused mainly on the melee. They balance that out by having the ranged weapons be quite powerful, but also very limited in ammunition. So yeah. you need to be balancing that out. The wizard has a similar thing. Yeah, at first I was put off by it because she has a thing where if you overuse her fireballs, she catches fire and starts taking damage. So you have to like meet them out carefully and then switch to like the sword or whatever and start chopping them up. The flaming sword though. You're talking about the flaming sword. It's not always on oh, fire. Okay. Uh, but yes, and it's really, like, at, at first that was just, like, felt frustrating to me, but then I got into the rhythm of it, and mm. it's actually super fun. You can, like, charge up a huge fireball that you can throw, and then you just have to stop using fire for a while, or you can do, like, little bolts that will take out individual Skaven one at a time. Mm. Uh, I really like that. I like watching them catch fire and then bounce down a rooftop. <laughs> yeah, and I, it is also uh, it, it's Satisfying. a good representation of the, the, uh, the nature of magic in the the Warhammer world as well, where the winds of magic can blow in your favor just as quickly as they will blow up in your face. Yeah, it's kind of dark fantasy setting where magic is a dangerous thing. That's actually a really mechanically interesting way of representing that. Hmm. So uh, the final thing I guess that this introduces that changes things up is that there's randomized loot that you can get both through leveling up uh, and also by acquiring hidden treasures as you go through the levels. Yeah, you find like loot dice and then at the end of each mission you have a role to see whether you got something good or not. Mm, which seems like a good way of keeping play. people playing and playing levels through and I think is possibly inserted as a counter to the fact that say Evolved which was a similar thing just died and now has like three people playing it despite having a 200 million dollar marketing campaign. So this means that there's a meta game people will be playing for at least a little while longer. Yeah. I, on the one hand I like that you get different weapons and you can change the loadout because it meant that I went back to characters I didn't like the first time, like the witch hand, the witch hunter. When I unlocked his uh, the Zweihander, the two-handed sword for him, I gave that a try and suddenly a character that I hated turned out to be fun. But on the other hand, I'm not sure about rewarding people for, you know, perfect runs and playing the certain way and chasing mm. down these loot dice and things like there are magic tomes and if you collect all of them you get a bonus to your roll at the end. Mm. Uh, I just want to work together with people in a team to survive, but doing this kind of gear run to like be chasing loot, I think makes it a bit less fun for yeah. me. No, I, I totally agree. The, the way that they've, they've inserted this into the levels does mean that um, you know, people want to be doing the optimal run rather than mm. the experience that you cultivated in Left 4 Dead, which is that you know, everyone was struggling to survive and it was just like a fun anecdote generator. But here... If you screw up a little bit, people are angry because like they're mm, trying to that. level their thing up. Um, so there's a tension in the core design of the game and then this other system that's designed to lengthen people's overall playtime. And I wish that they had found a better way of balancing that out, even if they had just made loot randomized at the end yeah. rather than being tied up with things that you had to find in the game. Uh, probably would have taken some of that away. I agree, mm. yeah. 
But uh, ultimately, it's a really fun way to chop up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rats. Yes. That are trying to chop you up instead. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I agree. So Warhammer End Times Vermintide, available for the PC. That's right. Mm-hmm. Only. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you very much for that review, guys. Now, we'll be back next week. We're going to wrap it up here. But next week, are you guys going to be playing Blood Bowl 2? Probably. Yeah, we'll yeah. see some of that in. Yeah. Fantastic. And we'll also be hearing the rest of our PAX coverage, interviews with game developers and mus- musicians. It's also Jody's last week, so we'll be saying goodbye to him, unfortunately, Aww. as he leaves us for less Zedia pastures. Um, but we'll, we'll cry next week. <laughs> Tonight's a happy night. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye.